Hi gang, thanks for downloading this classic episode of News Fighters. Just a reminder, if you're looking for new original episodes of News Fighters, they're now over on the Irrational Fear podcast feed. So search for Irrational Fear on your podcasting app or go to irrationalfear.com for all new episodes of News Fighters. In the meantime, enjoy this classic News Fighters episode. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Sounds Pants Radio, Australia's most cowardly podcast network. This is News Fighters. The news so you don't have to with Dylan Behan. Yes, good day everyone. Welcome to News Fighters for today, October the 1st, 2021. News Fighters is a comedic look at the big stories of the week in Australian news, media and politics, presented by me, Dylan Bain, the La Palma Volcano of wacky clips. News fighters, we do things a bit differently here. Yes, coming up in today's show, we're talking all about the German election results and Berlin is voting to sack their landlords with Joel Dulroy from Deutsche Welle and the Berlin podcast Radio Speitkopf. Yeah, it kind of feels like everybody lost just a little bit. No one's really come out as a winner here. It's a bit of a compromise all round, so... But first, it's roadmap time in the latest instalment of Delta Farce. People have been going through a really horrific time, and I couldn't feel prouder of that. Yes, here in New South Wales, we're currently bogged down in our fourth month of lockdown, but thankfully, here comes the roadside assist with a roadmap out of this godforsaken mess. Tonight, the date is set. New South Wales to start reopening on the 11th of October, and more freedoms that follow soon afterwards. Sport, weddings, dancing, drinking, even just leaving your own LGA. Life begins at 80. Yes, coincidentally, Life Begins at 80 is also going to be Joe Biden's re-election campaign slogan. So yes, Freedom Day is coming in three stages from October 11. Just don't call it Freedom Day. I'm not someone who's going to call 11th of October Freedom Day. But from her deputy, Freedom Day is only a couple of weeks away. Yeah, those grabs from uh, Berejiklian and uh, Nationals leader John Barillaro there really seem to sum up the Liberal National Coalition well. Don't call it Freedom Day. I will. Okay. It's a bit like also how they handle the environment. We need to do net zero by 2050. No, you don't. Okay. 
There was one element of the reopening roadmap that the news media seemed particularly fixated on, though. See if you can spot it. Tonight, our journey back to freedom. Holidays, friends visiting, even standing up with a beer in the pub. Ten people will be allowed to visit a home. You can stand up and have a drink at the pub. And people will be able to stand up and drink at hospitality venues. Coming soon to bars, standing while drinking. Standing up to drink will be allowed inside. And indoors at the pub, you can stand while drinking. Yes, no more sitting down and drinking for me like a complete loser guy. That's right, soon we'll be able to have vertical consumption of alcoholic beverages, like real Australians. One catch though, you will have to be double vaccinated. If you want to go to a restaurant, pub or hairdresser, when we come out of lockdown on October 11, you'll have to show proof of vaccination. But it turns out unvaccinated drinkers may have found one loophole. The only exception to the roadmap, places of worship. They'll be allowed to welcome unvaccinated people in from the 80% mark. Places of worship have rules of their own and the unvaccinated will be welcome. Yes, hope you like that Jesus wine in those little cups. Yes, New South Wales is opening up in stages, first of all, just to the vaccinated, but who's going to be policing who's vaccinated at venues? Sydney business owners are on notice. It's their job to police the vaccination status of their customers when the city reopens in 13 days' time. Yes, that's right. Employees could be forced to confront unvaccinated people, which will make it very hard for them to follow that customer is always right mantra they've had drilled into them. Bit hard to do that when... uh, Karen at the uh, front desk is yelling theories about their sovereign citizen rights and uh, being injected with Bill Gates 5G tracking chips. Yeah, customers not always right. Customers sometimes a little bit crazy. Not surprisingly, the concerns of businesses who are scared about having to police this. Don't worry, Premier Gladys Berejiklian, who clearly hasn't worked in retail in a very long time. People asked me yesterday, aren't you worried about people having conflicts at at, at businesses or otherwise when the Hmm. unvaccinated try to get in? But nine out of ten of us are already vaccinated in New South Wales. Nine out of ten adults are already vaccinated or close to. That is huge. Oh, my God. Look, if if one out of every ten of your customers... Uh, is an anti-vaxxer Karen that you have to reason and argue with, no business can be expected to function very well at all. It's a bit like if one in 10 of your customers was a shoplifter or a pyromaniac. Makes it very difficult to run an efficient business. But then came some good news for businesses. Rest assured, you won't even get fined if you let in unvaccinated people. And in fact... You're not even expected to check people's vaccination statuses at all. The health minister has revealed businesses who breach customer vaccination requirements aren't likely to face fines. At this stage, that's not part of the public health orders. After the health minister revealed yesterday businesses wouldn't be fined for letting unvaccinated people in, the premier today revealed some won't need to check. For a very large venue with hundreds of people in there, we would expect a staff member to be checking that as people come in. But for very small premises, that expectation is less. Okay, right. So if businesses don't have to police vaccination status, surely the police will police it. Right? Businesses are unlikely to be penalised if they can't prevent unvaccinated customers entering their premises. The health minister says the focus will be on big fines for individuals who break the rules. And police say they won't be checking the vaccination status of patrons when the lockdown ends in two weeks. New South Wales police won't be walking through hotels, pubs, cafes, uh, restaurants uh, and demanding people show uh, any sort of vaccination uh, passport. 
All right. So in summary, to start reopening safely, we have to do it at a 70% vaccination rate only to fully vaccinated people. But nobody has to check who's fully vaccinated and businesses won't be fined if they serve people who aren't vaccinated, providing zero incentive for the health orders to be followed and for the reopening to happen safely. Good job, everyone. And also, why are the uh, New South Wales police shy now? They've been caught strip searching teenagers at music festivals, but all of a sudden they're not going to look on people's phones to check their vaccination status. Give me a break. It's a bit like the roads minister coming out and announcing the speed limit on a new freeway is 100 kilometres an hour. Wink, wink. But don't worry, says the Premier, some people will get fined. Anybody who flagrantly does the wrong thing will be fined. Anybody who flagrantly disregards the health orders will be penalised. I want to make that very clear. Right, so I feel like if you're unvaccinated and you sneak into the pub, that'll be fine. But if you start, like, flagrantly yelling, I'm unvaccinated, check it out, dudes, uh, then uh, maybe you'll get a fine. So if police and businesses aren't responsible for ensuring unvaccinated people don't enter venues... Who is? As was the case before Delta, there is a very uh, obvious onus on the individual to make sure they do the right thing. But we just ask that everybody uh, respect the rules and uh, individuals also have a responsibility to step up and do the right thing. For businesses, the onus is on individuals. Because the onus will be on individuals to prove their vaccination. But the onus has always been mainly on the individual. Well, that's interesting. I mean, if you trust everyone to do the right thing all the time, then why do you have speed cameras, red light cameras and train ticket inspectors? Last time I checked, I can't kill your immunocompromised grandma if I accidentally buy a concession train ticket. But I sure as hell will get fined for it because train ticket inspectors are everywhere. All right, looking at the roadmap, the first two stages of opening up are for fully vaccinated people. And they're when we reach 70% double dose on the 11th of October and 80% on the 18th of October. But then on December 1st, unvaccinated people won't have to sneak into shops anymore. No jab, no worries. The unvaccinated will be welcomed back to restriction-free life just after the rest of us. The final phase is December 1, and this involves all New South Wales residents regardless of vaccine status. There is no limit in your home, no limit outdoors. All retail moves to one per two square metres, and nightclubs reopen. Okay, so for listeners in Sydney, a nightclub is like a pub where DJs play music and people dance. Uh, We used to have a lot of them before the lockout laws. You might want to ask your parents. Yeah, so Gladys seemed to think that somehow giving unvaccinated people all the same rights as everyone else uh, a few weeks before Christmas would actually encourage them to get the jab. I think today is a very disappointing day for those who aren't vaccinated. I think they assume that once we hit 80% double dose that they would have certain freedoms. They'll have to wait at least four or five weeks after we hit 80% double dose. The message is, if you want to be able to have a meal uh, with friends, if you want to welcome people into your home, you have to get vaccinated. That's a simple message. And if you don't, if you choose not to, that's okay. But you'll have to wait a a long time. Uh, Four or five weeks after we've been locked down for like four months isn't that long. And by the way, the message here to anti-vaxxers couldn't be less subtle. And if you don't, if you choose not to, that's okay. Yeah, putting everyone else in the community at risk while clogging up the health system because of something you saw on YouTube. That's okay. Meanwhile, in Victoria, dictator Dan isn't having any of it. Premier Daniel Andrews has no plans to follow the lead of New South Wales and ease restrictions for unvaccinated people at the beginning of December. I'm not going to be saying to people, I'll just wait five weeks and you'll be able to have all the freedoms. No, that's not a guarantee at all here. But we will have people locked out of venues and events like the Boxing Day test if they haven't had two jabs. And absolutely gobsmacking was the fact that Gladys claimed her policy 
was better than a lot of other countries. Unlike most places in the world, if you're not vaccinated, you'll have to wait at least four or five weeks after we've already hit the 80% double dose rate. In most other places in the world, uh, the rate is lower, but people have to wait less if they're not vaccinated. And this is just not true, because in the last few months, a lot of highly vaccinated countries like Canada, Singapore, Germany and Israel are actually making everyday life harder for people who choose not to get vaccinated. In Canada, despite having over 90% of over 12s fully vaccinated, the province of Quebec has just instituted vaccine passports to try and prevent a fourth Delta wave overwhelming hospitals. This is part of a new reality for Quebecers, showing proof of vaccination to sit in a cafe. The vaccine passport now applies to non-essential services like restaurants, bars, gyms, movie theatres and festivals for anyone over 12. And in Ontario, Canada's version of Gladys Berejiklian, Doug Ford, the most pro-business idiot you can imagine, who totally botched the third alpha wave last winter, has also announced vaccine passports for that province. Vaccinations will be mandatory for certain indoor settings where the risk of transmission is highest because of masks aren't always worn, including restaurants, bars and casinos, among others. Enforcement will be led by bylaw officers. The policy will not apply to outdoor spaces where we know the risk of spreading COVID is low. And if you're like, well, we're heading into winter and we're heading into summer, well, closer to home in Singapore, which never has a winter because it's directly under the equator, they have over 80% of over 12s vaccinated and they're reimposing restrictions, even on vaccinated people. Among the tightened measures in place from Monday, Group sizes for dining in will be reduced to two people. There will also be a two-person cap on social gatherings and unique household visitors per day. And even vaccinated individuals can still carry the virus and transmit to others. Therefore, it is best that unvaccinated individuals minimize their potential exposure to the virus at big events and at higher risk settings such as restaurants, gyms, and fitness studios. Yeah, that's the Singapore health minister there reminding us that vaccine passports aren't about making a two-tier society or stopping people from having fun. They're actually about stopping people from getting COVID and dying. Anyways, in conclusion, if uh, unvaccinated people are going to be going to my gym this summer, then I won't be. Partially because I'm lazy and don't want to go to the gym, but also I don't want to catch COVID off someone who's unvaccinated and then get sick and be stuck at home for two weeks. But also, I don't want to give COVID to someone who's unvaccinated and then they potentially get sick and die. Mind you, according to Gladys... That's okay. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. 
Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. All right, joining me now on Newsfighters, uh, live from Berlin, it's Joel Dalroy from Deutsche Welle and the great Berlin News podcast in English, Radio Spätkopf. Joel, how are you going this morning? I'm a little tired. It's about 4 a.m. here, but I'm surviving on caffeine. Um, and turning to the the federal, I guess you call it the federal uh, German election, in terms of the winners and losers from the results, um, it doesn't really appear as though anyone's really cleaned up there. Germany's centre-left Social Democrats have edged into the lead in the national election there. Germany's general election has resulted in a virtual gridlock. But it could be weeks or even months until a new Chancellor is declared. Yeah, it kind of feels like everybody lost just a little <laughs> bit. No one's really come out as a winner here. It's a bit of a compromise all round, so they're going to have to spend long time trying to pull together a coalition, uh, probably with the, the SPD, the Greens, maybe another small party. Uh, mm-hmm. But you can never count out the idea that the, the CDU could still be in there again. Um, but yeah, it's going to take a while. The last time they did this, it took like five months before Germany had a coalition. So, uh, you know, we're, we haven't seen the end of Angela Merkel just yet. She's going to be around for a bit longer. Yeah, she'll be in in caretaker mode. Um, Yes, so her party, the Christian Democrats, their vote's down uh, down quite a bit. The um, Social Democrats, who are more the left-wing party under Olaf Schultz, are up quite a bit, and it's looking like he could be the next chancellor. Yeah, is that more than likely? That's how it's looking at the moment, but he's got to convince the other parties to come along with him, um, and, you know, they're all going to want a a policy here or there, so it's going to take a while. Um, although, you know, I've, I've lived in um, in Germany now for 13 years, um, and I really like this idea of coalition government where they, you know, actually have to uh, try and compromise on things, you know, like adults, not just, you know, uh, try and get everything they want or walk out of the room. Yeah, it's not that, that winner-takes-all thing. Um, and two of the parties it's looking like they're going to have to talk to are the Greens, whose vote is up quite a lot. But then there's this this kind of... Uh, Liberal Economic Free Market Party, the Free Democrats, and I understand the Greens and the Free Democrats are talking together already. What what are they going to agree on? It sounds like one wants uh, more green energy, one wants more taxes. How are they, any idea what this could mean policy wise? It's a complete mystery, and that's what everyone's scratching their heads about at the moment. The Greens uh, they want to be able to regulate their way uh, out of mm. the climate crisis, and the FDP want to leave it up to the market and don't want any new taxes. So it's really hard to see how they're going to come together. But, you know, they, if, if they want to form a government, they're going to have to try and compromise at some point. But, yeah, look, the German politics, it, it's always um, uh, a compromise situation and nobody ever really gets everything that they want. If it is looking like the the more left-wing uh, parties will um, form the coalition with the Social Democrats and the Greens, any idea what that'll mean policy-wise? Will there be any big changes in policy direction for Germany? Well, we have to expect that there's going to be more action on climate change because it hasn't mm-hmm. been enough. Uh, but, I mean, Germany's got other big issues here. I don't know if you've heard, but... It's- <laughs> 
if you take a train anywhere in the middle of the country, it's really hard to get Wi-Fi, even on like the best trains going through areas that you think it would be possible mm. to get a wireless connection. Your your phone just drops out. The digital infrastructure here is just decades behind, um, and they haven't kept up. And so that really needs to be addressed if Germany's going to. Uh, keep up with the rest of the world. We also got this huge reliance here on the car industry. They, they, it props up so many jobs, um, and politicians are just loath to touch it because they don't want to annoy the unions, they don't want to annoy the workers, they don't want to take away jobs. Um, but those jobs are going to disappear anyway uh, once the electric car revolution gets going. And Germany hasn't done enough to make sure that its car companies are electrified as well. So a lot of catching up there to do as well. And any ideas in terms of foreign policy? Like Australia, Germany relies a lot on trade with China. So I guess that means no, no party will want to kind of try and isolate China the way it seems like Australia and America and the UK are, are ganging up on them right now, yeah? Yeah, Germany tries to get along pretty well with China, <laughs> to say. It's a, it's a, I think it's the biggest export partner now. Mm. Um, and um, they sell a lot of cars there and they don't really want to piss them off that much. So uh, Germany is not as bellicose against China as other countries are. And in terms of the campaign itself, I guess uh, if everyone's potentially looking at forming partnerships with everyone, everyone must be a very polite election campaign. <laughs> no insults at the debates or anything, I assume. Uh, I wouldn't, well, not direct personal insults. Uh, <laughs> and frankly, the, the main candidate uh, for the Conservatives, um, uh, Armin Laschet, he did enough by himself without anyone having to insult him to not <laughs> come across looking <laughs> like a bit of a fool. Uh, he right. made gas all over the place. He was famously was laughing, laughing. At, at the flood uh, flood uh, event, which was uh, a lot of people were angry about. Laschet was once the front runner to succeed Angela Merkel as Chancellor. But after he was caught laughing while the president was speaking in a flood hit village, his polling took a hit. Yep, and then he uh, he did an interview uh, with some children on like children's television, uh, and these these little in kids they basically tore into him. Very well researched. Uh, everyone suspects that they had earpieces in when they were asking him the questions, but you know he couldn't even answer a simple question like uh, "What would you call your pet dragon?" You know, this is a guy who, um, who really sort of uh, fudged his way uh, and bung bungled the election. So no one really needed to insult him. He, he did a pretty good job of that himself. And what can we expect from uh, Olaf Schultz? I think it'll be very weird for the world to have a guy named Olaf at the G at the G7. But what can we expect from him, um, him personally if he does become Chancellor? Well, he's pretty boring. That's pretty much why he won. Um, he, he was the finance minister, the, right? Yeah. He was the finance minister, yeah. um, and he was also a state leader from Hamburg before that. Um, but he does have actually a few interesting potential skeletons in his closet um, as a finance minister. Uh, there were a few scandals going on in here in Germany relating to banking, um, some really big banking companies that were proven to be completely fraudulent. And there's some suggestion that he might have known a little bit in advance or more, known more about what was going on um, than, than he is, uh, uh, he's led on so far. So, um, you know, he, he does seem boring, but, you know, there could be a little bit of interest if he does get in power and people start digging a little bit more into his, his personal phone and email records to see what he knew when about these scandals. <laughs> Is it a bit like if Peter Costello or, or Wayne Swan somehow became prime minister? <laughs> that's that's a pretty good equivalent, yeah. But, yeah right. um, in, in this case, um, I mean, one of the reasons that, that uh, he's done so well is because, well, Angela Merkel herself was pretty boring, and it seems like Germany Germans just like a, a kind <laughs> of, you know, middle-of-the-road, sensible person who doesn't look too flashy and just gets the job done. 
Mm. And speaking of uh, Angela Merkel, she's been Chancellor since we had John Howard uh, as Prime Minister. Um, and I don't know, in the West, all the media coverage has been that, that Germany's going to miss her and the world's going to miss her. How, how true is that? Are young people going to miss her? People just find her kind of boring and ubiquitous uh, um, at this stage? Or will people actually actually miss her as Chancellor? Older people are, are, are going to miss her as Chancellor. And you can see that because the CDU lost tons of votes um, and they all went to, to the SPD. And the, the suspicion there is that that's the that's the Merkel vote. Those people mm. were traditional SPD voters before, but they liked her because she was middle of the road and she she basically stole a lot of uh, the, the the SPD's policies and included them in her own. And so she brought those people along, and now she's gone, and they've they've, they've gone elsewhere. But young people are actually they're quite angry at Merkel and politics in general for just not doing enough about climate change and just letting their futures be stolen. Um, so there's going to be a lot of young people who not not in a, in a hateful way, but they're they're happy that that Merkel um, is uh, the era of Merkel is over and that something new can begin where these policies, these, these problems can actually start being taken seriously. Uh, and speaking of uh, young people voting on interesting things, the um, there was this. It's got a bit of coverage over here. So Berlin voted yes on property expropriation to reclaim housing from giant real estate companies. Is it could this actually happen, or is this just what, what's the vote about? Well, I live in Berlin uh, and I cover mostly local Berlin politics, and this is really one of the most exciting uh, ideas that we've had in ages. So the, the referendum basically called for the city government to forcibly purchase hundreds of thousands of apartments from private landlords, but only those big private companies that own more than 3,000 apartments. So it was really specifically targeting these huge companies that just own swathes of property. Right. That are for-profit, I assume. And, yeah, definitely for-profit. For profit you, you, yep. So you've got to keep in mind, Berlin is a city of renters. Um, mm. the, there's a, a huge number of people rent here. We're up to like 85% of the city are renters rather than owner-occupiers. And so look, everybody here is interested and worried about rent prices going up. And these big companies have huge influence and they have been putting the rents up for ages and everyone's been getting angry about it. The city's tried to do various things by capping the rents over the last few years. It hasn't really worked. And then there's been these big protests which accumulated in this referendum. Um, at first, nobody thought it would get anywhere because it's just too radical. I mean, the idea, it's like you know, we're 30 years here after the end of socialism in East Germany. And we've got the citizens of the city who have basically now, um, the overwhelming majority have told the city government, we want you to forcibly purchase property back from the market and put it in state hands, you know? Um, And uh, it's, what happens now? Well, it's actually not a binding referendum. So the politicians can ignore it if they want to, um, but it's pretty hard to ignore a referendum where more than 56% of the people said they want this to happen. Uh, you know, a million Berliners voted in favor of this. Um, so they're going to have to find some way to fudge around it if they don't want to actually do it. Because if they did do it, there's one estimate that it would cost something like 36 billion euros to actually pay out these companies wow. to get their properties back. Um, even though the supporters of the initiative say that the state has the permission to do it for much cheaper using the constitution, they could actually um, pay out a lot, a lot less um, if it's in the public interest. Mm. But the problem actually is that the main party that has won the city state election, which is also the SPD, they're against it and their mayor doesn't want to do it. Mm. Um, and it's making the process of forming a coalition to govern here on a local level also very difficult. Um, it's putting um, the the Greens and the left party against the SPD. And um, so the image that Berlin has had recently of this sort of lefty, greeny city that um, has has a um, really progressive politics, 
that could actually change a bit after this this latest election. And because of this particular referendum, which might split these parties apart, because they all have such different uh, take on whether we should actually go ahead and do this. So the idea will be that um, it'll be like compulsory uh, acquisition here when they buy land for a train station or something. Um, but then yeah, it'll exactly. be it'll be owned by the state. So that, the Berlin is actually like the housing run by the state. Yeah, well, public housing here is not a negative thing. It's not. It's not like a housing commission run down flats. It's good yeah, quality yeah. housing, and it's affordable, Great. and it stays affordable. Um, you don't have to worry about uh, getting kicked out of your flat with, uh, without notice, which which can happen when you've got a private landlord. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't have to worry about it. insane rent increases. Your rent might go up a little bit, but it's just a safe, affordable way to 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 live. And it's um, it's got a very different image here as, than in other countries, that's for sure. Uh, here, if you get into a, a city-owned housing um, apartment, you, you consider yourself lucky. Wow. Well, I think I know why so many Aussies are moving to Berlin then. If it's affordable housing, uh, affordable, if they can find somewhere housing. to live, it's very hard exactly. to actually get a flat, and that's the other problem. They uh, certainly need to build more apartments. Um, and just finally, uh, to COVID before we go, we're about to open up here in a few weeks. Um, what are the lessons from Germany? Here, they're saying that from December first in New South Wales, unvaccinated people will be allowed anywhere and everywhere. But I understand you guys are leaning the other way. Is that correct? Oh, no, we're opening up here too. Uh, we have been for a while now. Our vaccination rates are, are mm. doing pretty well. And um, yeah, we can we can start going to nightclubs. Next week, the famous Berghain nightclub reopens uh, business as usual. Um, you can go in if you're vaccinated and can dance right. without a mask. So, so are there um, different you know, tiers for if you're vaccinated or not vaccinated? Like uh, unvaccinated people yeah. have to stay outside or something or... Exactly. It's getting harder and harder to do anything if you're not vaccinated anymore. Uh, it's almost impossible to be able to sit inside a restaurant, to go inside a nightclub, to go to a cinema. Um, yeah, yeah, you have to stay outside and, um, uh, you know, w- wave your protest <laughs> banners out saying whatever it is you think your freedoms have been removed because you're not vaccinated. But uh, look, it, it, it's working here. The, the hospital uh, rates are down. The infection rates are, are, are down and, and um uh, people are getting on with their lives and we're all quite happy about it, to be honest. Terrific. Um, well, all the best. And uh, Olaf says we should have the final Chancellor results by Christmas, which uh, <laughs> fingers crossed, I guess. Yeah, well, it's great talking to you. And um, yeah, we'll, we'll see. We, we, we may have a, we may have by Christmas. Last time it took longer than that. But, wow. you know, if, if, you, if you like uh, the side of Angela Merkel, you can be happy she's a, around for a few more weeks at least. Well, certainly a lot better than in Australia where it's just whoever Rupert Murdoch decides, that's for sure. Um, where, can, where can people find uh, find you and Radio Spätkopf? Uh, well, Radio Spätkopf, we are Berlin's English news podcast. We do a show about once a month. Uh, if you've ever visited Berlin and you want to know what's going on here, we keep you updated about trams and U-Bahns and bicycles and um, and parks and parties and all the fun stuff um, and, and the politics as well. So just search for us on your podcast feed. Now, Spätkauf is spelled S-P-A-E-T. Uh, so it's got a funny umlaut. A Spätkauf is like a, a kiosk. It's a, a bottle yep. shop. The corner store, you go the place you go to get your beer get your and your gum and whatever else. Yeah, yeah. And um, it's a place everyone has to go. Everyone has to go at least once a day. And so that's, it has a, it's a very local place. And that's why we named the show Radio Spakehouse. We want to, we, we like the idea that we might be something playing in the background of your local Spakehouse. Terrific, terrific. All right. Thanks again for being on the show, uh, Joel Dalroy. Thank you. Thanks. 
All right, everyone, thanks for listening. That's News Fighters for today, the 1st of October 2021. News Fighters, as always, is written, produced, and edited by me, Wacky Clips Boy, Dylan Bain, for Sans Pants Radio. Oh, and a big thank you to Joel from Radio Spatekoff for being on the show. To support the show, uh, we're on Apple Podcasts, pay to subscribe, or on our Patreon, patreon.com slash newsfighters. Big thank you to Shannon uh, for joining our Patreon this month. I look forward to disappointing you. Hey, and everyone else, you can buy me a coffee at buymeacoffee.com slash newsfighters. Also a reminder, we refuse to advertise on Facebook, so sign up for our free newsletter at newsfighters.com. Hit subscribe or follow on your podcasting app. Also, we're on Twitter and Instagram at newsfighterspod. Uh, I might take next week off. I'm pretty exhausted. We'll see how we go. Anyways, here it is, your whiff of pine. I've been to Gallipoli. Uh, I found my um, uncle's grave. Just by mistake, actually. It's funny. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.